Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Morning, everybody. Morning, online church. Morning, Canesham. Morning Bristol, morning Podsmead. It is great to see you in church today. I have really a privilege to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about a unique church, a church called Antioch. And it's found in Acts chapter 11. Uh, there's only a few verses uh, in it. And if you are a studier and you're taking notes, these are the verses, Acts 11, 19 to 30, and Acts 13, 1 to 4. I, uh, they, I, I tell you that because I haven't got time to read the whole passage. I'll, I'll be here to about three o'clock. And, uh, but I, I was really inspired by this, this church because this church was not the famous church. Jerusalem was the famous church. This was a church that was just somewhere off the M5 that you kind of drove past. You know what I mean? On the way to Birmingham or to Bristol. And I think that's why I associate it. Because in the Bible, while everybody was looking at Jerusalem, God was looking at Antioch. And sometimes in our world, we're looking elsewhere and saying, what's God doing over there? And with the internet and the connections we have, you can see churches all over the world and you go, what's happening over there? And this is my conviction. God's looking at one church. Amazing. He's looking at us. He's going, wow. I wonder what I could do with that lot. And I know we think the same. What can you do with this lot? <laughs> But there's a different emphasis. God says, I wonder what I could do with that lot if they were just willing. So it's my privilege to talk to you about the church today. In summary, the church in Jerusalem was persecuted. So uh, the, the, the believers kind of spread out and a few of them ended up in Antioch, which is north, around about 200 miles north of Jerusalem. And uh, they just gathered and uh, they just got together. It wasn't really organised, it was just a gathering and they heard that there was a whole bunch of Christians getting together and that people were joining them. So Jerusalem sent someone called Barnabas to go up to that area to go and sort it out. They said, Barnabas, go and sort it out. So Barnabas went up to Antioch pulled everybody together and there's this little story there's only a few verses but I think we can learn something fantastic from those few verses about what God can do in us as a church here in one church God loves the church with all its flaws and all its strangeness, and if you think it's strange, just look at me, because while you're looking at me, I'm looking at you. With all its weirdness and everything else, God loves the church. It's not a sideshow in society, but a catalyst of hope. It's central in all matters. 
it's dangerous to deconstruct your faith into an individualistic entity. Like, it's not biblical to say, I have a personal faith. We're designed to be in community. You were never designed to be alone. Ask Adam and Eve. Adam, I've, I've said this so many times before, Adam had the perfect relationship with God. He didn't even have any sin in his life. And God went, it's not good for, for you to be on your own, Adam. We are designed to be with other people. Like, you know how other people wind you up? God designed it that way. He designed us to connect with other people. He designed us to have some kind of community. Designed to be a community that requires a shared belief system, a shared theology, a shared vision. We are the body of Christ, the church, with all its flaws and flavours. It still remains God's design to serve the world he created. That's why I want to talk about Antioch, the church in Antioch. I want you to know one church we known and valued for the good that we do in our communities. That will be our reputation. I want you to know that one church we known as a house of miracles where the Spirit of God is present. I want you to know that one church will have the reputation of a place where people can encounter Jesus in an authentic yet powerful way, regardless of colour, creed or gender. I want you to know that one church will be intergenerational. I want you to know that one church will uphold the sanctity of godly marriage. I want you to know that one church stands on the authority of the word of God. And one church will send missionaries, train and release leaders, and plant churches. That's Monday. On... Just got to know what you stand on. Got to know what you stand on. The key verse in the the scriptures I told you in Acts 11 and 13 is found in verse 21. It says this, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The Lord's hand was with them. If his hand is is with you, it's connected to an arm. And if his arm is connected to the shoulder bone, (laughs) there's a connection. If his hand is with you, he is with us. He is with us. The secret is God is with us. What caused the Lord's hand to be with them? And as I studied the scripture, I was taken by the number of partnerships that in this short account. Collaborations, cooperations, alliances, coalitions and unions. Partnerships. There are some pictures, as soon as you see them, you go, ah, yeah, I know who that is. That is a tremendous partnership. I'm going to show you a picture. See if you know exactly who it is. It will tell you how old you are if you know who it is. There's there's about... There... Should we get the people in the front row to act it out? (laughs) It is, of course, if you're over 40, Torval and Dean. There's a few non-plus people. And for one for you, we have someone else. You will know exactly 
TV personality of the year since 1842. <laughs> I... They always stand. You always know which one is Ant and Deck because Ant always, they, they do it in alphabetical order. You can read it, A, D. Ant is always on the left. I thought, that's pretty amazing. Should we just pause there for a moment? If you have no revelation from the whole service today, you can always know which one is Ant and which one's Deck because Ant is always on the left, alphabetical order. Let's just pray. Lord. <laughs> How about this partnership? <laughs> yeah, that is, um, yeah, bring back the tash, that's what I say. I'm talking about the person wearing the hat, not the other one. Uh, oh, that's ruined that illustration. 31 years partnership. 31 years. Do you know what? I, I, Ali and I came here, moved here 16 years ago, and she has been my staunchest supporter for the last 16 years, like cheering me on. Like, it's great when you've got people in your life who cheer you on. Like, I'm not just talking about your spouse. I'm talking about people in your life who just say, I believe in you. Find those people. Here's another example of someone uh, who believes in me. This is... Um, this is... Um, <laughs> like, this... The, yeah, the guy in the red hat is going to be speaking at our church at the end of this month. Like, <laughs> The, the two of us were on a bit of a walk and it got colder than we thought it was going to be and uh, we, this is how we ended up looking at, each, looking at ourselves and uh, I wanted to show this because when, you, when he gets here and you think, oh you're amazing just remember this picture <laughs> this is him in reality but people who do life with you there's something of strength in partnerships there's something about finding someone who will work with you. You see, it's not just about the joining, it's something about synergy. You put H and two O's together and you really do have life source. There's something powerful about the synergizing in partnership. And as I looked at the scripture, I realized there were some partnerships and I just want to talk about some of the partnerships I noticed and how they can help us as a church grow. The first one I noticed was the partnership between Jerusalem Church and Antioch Church. Jerusalem Church and Antioch Church. The key word here is generosity. And it says here that the the news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. I said this earlier. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true in the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. So the Jerusalem church has sent Barnabas... And now they've sent some other leaders to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, 
stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, the Christians, the people in the church, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. What I noticed from this is the sharing of resource. The partnership of Jerusalem Church and Antioch Church, they said, if we've got something you need, we will share it with you. And they shared the resource. They shared two types of resource. One was talent and the other was money. When there was a need of leadership or talent, they looked around and said, we will share this with you. When there was a need because of a famine, they raised money for those two things. And I think this is a wonderful uh, act of partnership. And I think this marks the vision of who we are in one church. Number one, we do mission. We have made commitments to churches in the Philippines, in Belgium, in Austria, in Belarus and Zimbabwe. Those are our main five. There are other connections that we have. And it's our joy to send talent to support these wonderful people. We've just heard some wonderful stories. Kev and John have just come back from Zimbabwe, right, where we have three churches and we're planting more out there. It's a, it's, a, it's a joy to send Kev. In fact, Caroline said it's a great joy to send Kev. And Fiona said, please send John more often. Sorry, I exaggerate. Like, to send our talent to invest into that church, these are the Barnabases of our world that we're sending. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? We are one. We will be challenging us all, all our churches, to raise money because Kennedy needs a car. Cars are super expensive out there, but he needs a car because he needs to get to the villages. (coughs) <coughs> the churches are out there and we need to raise thousands of pounds. We'll be telling you about it. So when you book in to one, ch- one church conference, come with your purse, come with your wallet, come with your checkbook, if you still use checks. Like, come to give because we want to share not just our talent, we want to share our generosity as well. And we still believe in church planting. Like, like Podsmead, we are so proud of you. Cainsham, we are so proud of you. Like, because these are started. And we are going to do some more. Like there's partnerships with Bristol as well. Partnerships where we're working with one another, sharing our resource, sharing our talent. And we do generous. Your giving determines the scope of our vision. It's quite simple. We cut the cloth according to the generosity of the people we serve. That's, what, that's how we scope it. And I am unashamedly asking you to give generously to our vision in a backdrop of economic uncertainty. Thank you, and you, you're welcome. You see, when I watch the news and the fear that pours out at the screen, you know what I'm talking about, right? Just keep nodding. Nathan told you I can't see you. So the more vocal you are, the helpful it is. As the fear pours out the screen, please forgive me, I start to smile. 
Not at the thought of the, the pain and suffering that's going, no, no, don't misunderstand, don't hear what I'm not saying. I start to smile because the church starts to shine. Because we're not founded on fear, we are founded on faith. As the, as the darkness gets darker, the light gets brighter. We, it's, sometimes the church gets lost in the melee of other social ideas. But I tell you what, when it gets hard, the church starts to shine. Our foundations are not made of sand. If you try and bury your head in something that's not made of sand, you will end up with a headache. During rumours of war, during economic hardship and social politics, church, it's our time to shine. Because our foundation is not on sand, it's on the rock. And we have a courage that enables us to face and say, Jesus will come through for us. I am confident of this that he who began a good work in me will see it through to completion. You see, when we partner with church, we can encourage one another. And when the going gets tough, when the going gets rough, Proverbs 29 verse something or other, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. When the going gets rough, the rough get tough. Church, It's time to get tough. Not tough on people, but tough on faith. Let the backbone of the Holy Spirit start to rise in you. And when you say it can't be done, you say, well, okay, that's what everybody else is saying. But my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. I'm not listening to what the world is saying. I'm listening to what God is saying. And when you are confident, I'm not asking you to give something you haven't got. I'm asking you to have faith to see the seed of investment go out and return back to you. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. The second thing I noticed as a a partnership was the prophet and the teacher. And the key word here is gelling. I'm not sure it's a word, but you know what I'm talking about. It says in Acts 13 verse 1, Now the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. So you had two types of leadership gifts working together. Now this mix really is two different types of people. But it links into Paul's teaching later on in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, so Christ gave to the church apostles... The prophets, there it is again, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God gives gifts to the church and when these gifts synergize together, you get what I call a healthy tension. A healthy tension. I, I, if, if, if these five gifts went out for a meal, I, they would all have personalities. The apostle either owned the restaurant or knew the restaurant owner. 
When you arrived, the pastor would have made sure there's name cards so you all know where to sit and made sure you all had a drink when you came in through the door. The teacher had already gone through the menu and just discussed everybody's dietary needs and was ready there and to help you to point out what you need to do. The prophet's saying, what are we doing in this restaurant? We should be in another restaurant. We should be somewhere else. Come on, everybody out. We should be moving on here. And the evangelist won't even sit on our table. He's sitting at everybody else's table telling, telling them about the chef. See, you've got this diversity of leaders that when they come together, they synergize to help the church grow into maturity so it can serve to its fullness. And in this church, they highlighted two of those gifts, the prophet and the teacher. The prophet's the one that stirs it all up. I don't know if you've met people like this. They always want change. In my office, when I walk in and say, guys, I've had an idea, all the heads go down. They go, oh, I'm ever so busy. I'm ever so busy. Because I'm never satisfied with what we've got. There's always some more. There's always some more. It's the gifting inside of me that refuses to accept status quo. I won't let us plateau. We've got to keep moving forward. God is calling us forward. That's my job. That's my job. I've got to do that. But if I just keep doing that every day, we'll be going... "Ah!" And that's why God gives us teachers who go, this is what the guy's saying, and let's just bring that back and just solidify that and build the foundation so we can keep moving forward. I want to kill the teacher sometimes, and the teacher wants to kill me sometimes, and God says, let's put them together as a partnership. That'll work. And do you know what? It does. It's a healthy tension. It helps us move forward together. It's like the right leg saying, I don't need the left leg. I'm just going to hop forward. They need each other to work towards each other. There's a thousand podcasts out there. Someone on a social media who claims to have greater revelation than anyone else. and building a following. But this is what it boils down to. Are they shepherds? All these leaders are shepherds of the flock. Are they shepherds? How do you know if someone's a shepherd? They smell of sheep. (laughs) Shepherds smell of sheep. Keyboard warriors smell of coffee. (laughs) Just before you think, I found the greatest person to follow in my life. And by the way, there's some brilliant podcasts out there. Some brilliant stuff out there. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Like we can learn from lots of different things. But before you start following someone, have a sniff. Scratch and sniff. <laughs> if they smell of sheep, they're a shepherd. If they smell of coffee, they've either come out of Starbucks. Be careful. Be careful. God puts leaders with gifting and talent who are shepherds of the flock. And their job is to equip people to works of service. Your faith goes way beyond a Sunday encounter experience. We have a discipleship pathway that's designed to facilitate growth in one church. We call it Encounter Jesus. Grow as a disciple and go and make a difference. And we have lost our way a little bit. 
but we're going to get back on track again. Encounter Jesus, grow as a disciple, and go and make a difference. Encounter, grow, and go. For those of you who like it, think egg. Encounter, and two other G things. Grow and go. Can I commend to you Amy, Nathan and Tom here in Gloucester as location pastors. Can I commend to you Mike and Danny in Bristol? Can I commend to you? That's it, come on. Can I commend to you Chris and Anna in Canesham? Can I commend to you Liam and Lisa in Podsmead? They smell of sheep. Get behind them, encourage them, allow them to lead you and the blessing of God will come to you. Move on quick. Number three. The third partnership I noticed was Barnabas and Saul. And the key word here is generations. The first thing I notice is um, that Barnabas, although he was the leader of the church in Antioch, he went from Antioch and found Saul and brought him back to Antioch to train him, to coach him and disciple him. How do I know? Acts 11 verse 25, it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. That's how I know. (laughs) Can you see what's happening here? You have an experienced leader who's tagging in with an inexperienced leader. We have a partnership of experience and inexperience. We have a partnership of seasoned leader with an enthusiastic, inexperienced leader. And I think we can learn from this in one church, to build stronger and build younger. Now, I don't mean just younger in age, I mean younger in faith as well. I'm talking about those of us who are stronger. And I'm calling out the spiritual parents, the elders, the Barnabases in this room and online who are listening to me. Are you a Barnabas? What do I mean by that? You have life experience and pilgrim scars. Pilgrim scars? Sounds like the name of an 80s band. (laughs) Pilgrim scars. In other words, you've walked with Jesus a long time and you've gone through some painful, thorny experiences and come through. You have healed, but you have some scars. In other words, you have some experience. And I think one of the greatest partnerships we can do in church is take people who have pilgrim scars and enjoy, join them together with people who are new and enthusiastic and say, go on a partnership together, disciple each other, see what God does on you, because who knows, you might go on a mission trip together one day. Wouldn't that be awesome? It's been my privilege over the years to take people who are young or young in their faith on a mission trip as they go 
what is going on here? What is happening here? I play the part of Barnabas, and here's the Saul coming together. These are the partnerships that we need to build for the future of one church. Uh, there's, there's a lovely passage in Titus. Follow it with me for a moment. I, I have to go through this quite quickly. This is a responsibility for us as Barnabases as we build stronger. Paul says to Titus, your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older men into lives of temperance, dignity and wisdom and healthy faith, love and endurance. Guide older women into lives of reverence so they end up as neither gossips nor drunks, but models. They had some issues in that church, clearly, at that time. (laughs) But models of goodness. By looking at them, and this is the point here, the younger women will know how to love, and they were dealing with the specifics of their church there. Like, by by the younger women looking at the older women. And it says a little bit further, also guide the young men to live disciplined lives. What you've got is this picture saying, don't just use a microphone and talk to everybody as they sit in rows. Get alongside people. Get alongside people. If you've got a home, open it up. Invite people into your home and so that they can see what, how it works. I thank God for Beryl and Ricky when I was a teenager. Cheese sandwiches on a Sunday night with Coke was my favourite night of the week. They just said to a bunch of us, come round, and we sat there. They made cheese sandwiches and obviously Coke. That was the whole eat a culinary experience. And we sat and chatted, but they created a safe zone for us. They became Barnabases to me. You don't have to walk on water and then turn the water into wine to become a Barnabas. You use the assets that you've got to open up your world for others to walk in alongside you. And the younger, release the children. You, you, you do have to be intentional with this. We're going to work hard at releasing people, giving them opportunities to grow, to disciple a generation in the foundations of faith. Sons and daughters are a blessing, but they take a long time to grow into maturity. Lastly, the last partnership I saw was one of the church, Antioch, and the Holy Spirit. They were open to change from what they were, which was healthy, to become something completely different. So in the timeline, we we call this Kronos. We're in a, this is today, this is Sunday, and I go through my Sunday, and then I'll do this, and then tonight we're coming back for an encounter night tonight, and we're going to be praying tonight, and then I'll go to work on Monday, and then Tuesday, and then Wednesday, there's my calendar, and I'm working through the chronos of life. And it can become quite predictable at times, and I'm just going through these day-by-day, day experiences, but God doesn't work on chronos time, we work on chronos time. <laughs> God has another time system called Kairos time. Kairos time. And every now and again, he kairoses your life. He just jumps in and goes... And suddenly you're in a 
what was a line now becomes a big circle as you're caught up in something and you realize I'm born for something eternity was placed in my heart for a reason something and I can't get rid of it I, I can get on with my Kronos stuff but there's something inside of us that when God says this is now the time he grabs us at the core right at the, the middle of us beyond any point that anyone else can get to and says I've called you out of darkness and into light. I've called you from Kronos. I've called you. I've called you. I've called you. And remember, this is not just an individual thing. Remember what I said at the start. There is something about the synergy of all of us recognizing that we have a calling and a purpose. That when God puts us all together, when we pray together, when we, when we start to allow our hearts to melt with one another, when we accept that all our differences that come together, together and that we are weird and we are full of flaws and flavours that make us unique yet God grabs our heart and grabs the heart of the church and he grabs hold of us and he says I've called you for a higher purpose I've called you for a higher calling then going to work isn't going to work anymore going for a swim isn't going for a swim anymore going to Starbucks, I ain't going to Starbucks anymore. Going to church, I ain't going to church anymore. You're on assignment. And as the hand reaches from the body out into this world, just reaches the, the hurting and the broken And the proud just touches. It's as if the hand of the Lord goes through your hand and touches those around you. Because this is a partnership that goes beyond your ability. Because when the Holy Spirit anoints you, there becomes an anointing of hope and life that changes the community's view. This is our church. This is what we do. We are the extension of the Sunday. We are the hands and the feet of our, the one who rescued us, Jesus. As he transformed us, we can give to others. This is what one church is. When I was 10, I used to go to a church. Band, you can come up here. And we used to have a piano on this side and an organ on this side. And the two of them didn't really talk to each other. In fact, sometimes when we were singing songs, we thought, hmm, this is interesting. They're kind of fighting it out a little bit. On special occasions, I, we would move the piano, which was a baby grand piano, from the side onto the stage. And, uh, 
And you either had to get a special crane to do that because it's such a delicate instrument that it would go out of tune, or you got 10 of your strongest people to lift that thing, shuffle across, and put it onto the stage. And at the end of one service, my dad's called out nine people to help him. He said, son, would you help me, please? I went, sure. And I, as a 10-year-old, stood under that piano, <laughs> and around me was nine or 10 of the biggest, burliest blokes you've ever seen in your life. And my dad went, lift, and I went, Shuffle, 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 up onto the stage, uh, uh, put it down, and we all went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we went, thanks, Si, we wouldn't have done that without you. I went, I oh, know. <laughs> right. Did I carry the piano? Kind of. But the truth is, I didn't carry the piano. But someone believed that I could be part of something else to carry the piano. And I felt like I was carrying the piano. And I went home that night and told my mum, I'll carry the piano. She looked at me and went, because when you partner with the Holy Spirit, he allows you to feel part of the story, but he takes the weight. So that's why the weak can say, I am. And the poor can say, I am. <laughs> because you feel like you're carrying the piano, but actually, he carried the piano. He carries the piano and he invites us one church into his story to carry the vision to move something from here to here and you look and say oh, I carried the piano and God says yeah you did kind of I carried the piano but I invited you as the weak person I made you feel strong because I made you feel part of the bigger picture that's what our Jesus does. <laughs> he takes the weak in this life and confounds the clever. One church, online, Cainsham, Podsmead, Bristol, Gloucester. Who's in for carrying the piano? No more excuses. Who's going to open up their home? Who's going to come alongside? Who's going to say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand with you. Your scars were not in vain. Listen, your scars are not in vain. Your scars are a story of resilience and faith. And attest me to the faithfulness of God. Carry your scars with pride because they're a story that help other people around you. Wherever you are, whether you're in a front room, whether you're in church this morning, could you stand with me, please? Take these hands, take these feet. 
take my mind, take my strength, take my money, take my wealth, take my, take my car if you need it. But I'm going to offer that to you right now. Imagine you're serving someone something on a tray, like a cup of tea and then some biscuits. And you say, God, this is what I'm giving to you now. It's all I've got. I'm now going to offer it to you for your service so that you can outwork your life, your love through me as I serve my church, serve my community, serve my nation, serve this world. God, what if we could have global impact? What if you could take a church, one church, that makes a difference in the world? Well, I can't do that, but I am prepared to pick up the piano and carry it for your glory. Heavenly Father, here we are. You see every heart. You see every hand that's raised. And you know why people are doing this. And you know why people aren't as well. Because you are a faithful God. But will you take this church, one church, and use your church for your glory, for the years to come, for the generations to come. In the name of Jesus. Amen.